chapter number four. I want you to turn to Acts chapter number four tonight. And uh, just a subject, I want to, this is almost a, a reminder lesson. Uh, uh, I taught something similar to this back in 16, I think 16 or 19, several years ago uh, when we were in the book of Acts. But I want to do a refresher and, and an update and a reminder on this particular topic. And, and the reason I want to do this is because God is moving in this place. And anytime God moves, the devil's going to be right behind him. Uh, the activity, the activity of God, this, you can write this down. The activity of God will always attract the attention of Satan. And anytime God moves, Satan's going to, you, you might as well mark it down. Satan ain't going to be far behind. And the reason I'm saying that is because God is blessing and God is moving. We're seeing some incredible things here. Uh, we were able to baptize 36 people Sunday, six people, six, yeah, go ahead. You can give God praise and glory right there. Six people last night from our micro churches and, uh, we were able to baptize them last night which was a really cool deal. And so that's 42 people, 42 people. Listen, that's larger than some churches in Coleman County. And, and so I know, I know, and, and nobody here takes any credit for that. We know that's all God. Paul, Paul planted, Apollos, or Apollos planted, Paul watered. One of them watered, one of them planted, and God gave the increase, amen? And so we know it's all God, but we've got to be careful, and we've got to be aware, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devils as a roaring lion roameth about seeking whom he may devour. And I want to, I want to kind of share what the early disciples did. The apostles did when Satan attacked, when God was blessing, people were getting saved, lives were being changed and Satan comes on the attack. What did they do? What did they do when Satan attacked? So that's why I titled it, When the Enemy Shows Up. Now, if you're not doing anything for God, you don't have nothing to worry about. But if you are and you have a, a heart for God and you want to do something for God, you might as well bank it. He's coming. Church, say amen. amen. So let's look in Acts chapter number four and we'll, we'll start in verse number one. Acts four in verse number one. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about what? Now keep in mind a couple chapters before is 3,000 get saved. And then the Lord's adding to the church daily, such as should be saved. Now 5,000 is saved. God is on the move. Say amen. amen. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him do this man stand before you whole. What, what did he have? A Christ-centered message. Amen. 
this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could not, or they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the the word. Thank you for the opportunity to share it. Thank you, Lord, for what you put in my heart to give and to encourage your people with. This is your church. This is your property. These are your people. Uh, Lord, I'm just the under shepherd. And I pray that you'll give me the ability to feed your sheep. Give me the ability to encourage and inspire your sheep. I pray that you'll, Lord, touch my heart and my mind. Help me to get out of my head what you've put in there and make it so understandable and so clear. Don't let anybody leave here confused. I pray that you'll give me everything I need. Don't let me forget anything I should say. Lord, and don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'm going to keep reading. I stopped there because you look tired and I was going to let you sit down. <clears throat> but let's just keep reading and, and then we'll come back. We'll come back and, and, and go through this chapter real slowly and deliberately. They threatened them and said, don't be teaching in this name anymore. But... Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot speak but the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding uh, nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40, and I'm going to explain who this is for y'all that don't know what chapter three is. I'll, I'll come back and explain it. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed and being let go. They went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders said unto them. And when they heard that their own company, they went back to the church. They went back to the fellowship of believers, the assembly. When they heard that they lifted up their voice to God. Say that with me. They say it again. Now here's what, let's just, let's, let's do a brief review of chapter number three and, and then we'll, we'll dive into our outline and break down this chapter. This it's going to be really good. I promise you it's going to be really encouraging. In chapter number three, we find one of the, one of the first real miracles that takes place besides the, the ability to speak in languages that they had not previously learned in chapter number two on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says that Peter and John was going into the temple in the hour of prayer in chapter number three, and there was a lame guy there. This man was crippled and, 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 and everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew about his situation. Uh, this was not a stranger to anybody. 
everybody knew his physical condition and what kind of physical health he was in. Well, Peter and John, they see him and they say, he's wanting money. He's there to beg for money. He's there for alms and, and, and is trying to find somebody that will, will have, feel sorry for him and, and give him some money. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Rise up and walk. Amen. He heals him. He heals him. The Bible says the man gets up and so excited about it, he's leaping and praising God, holding on to Peter and John and causing a serious commotion. Are y'all with me? Now imagine if you've never walked your entire life and all of a sudden somebody came your way and healed you, I think you'd be happy too. Amen. So he is just excited. He is praising God. He is full of joy, full of glory. He's excited. He's holding Peter and John and it causes a commotion, a big enough commotion that people start coming from all over the city. Almost, almost exactly like what happened at Pentecost in chapter number two. When, when they were filled with the spirit of God and they begin to praise God in, in 17 different languages because they understand what they were saying in their own tongue, which is an incredible thing. And, and so it, it attracts a crowd. Well, any good Baptist preacher, when a crowd is attracted, he has a tendency to want to preach a little bit. Say amen. amen. And as the crowd came, thousands and thousands of people, we know there was probably... There was probably eight or 9,000 people here because we knew 5,000 believed. Are y'all with me? And we know there ain't a preacher alive that's good enough to get them all. So there was way more than 5,000 people there. And while he's preaching, uh, he looks at him and said, I don't know why y'all looking at us. Don't look at us like it was something we did or something by our power. And he starts preaching Jesus. I mean, he does it over and over and over. He does it with, with the crowd. Then he does it with the, the Sanhedrin court here that they have brought them before. He begins to tell them about Jesus and who Jesus was. That Jesus was God's son. It was spoken up by the prophets and you killed him. I mean, over and over, he was not afraid. He did the same thing on the day of Pentecost in chapter number two, if you'll remember. I mean, when he preaches, he's hellfire and brimstone. You killed God's son. That's what he said. You know, you can't get saved till you get lost. And you don't understand you're lost till you understand you're a sinner. And he made sure they understood they was a sinner. They killed Jesus. But Jesus rose from the dead. God, the father brought him back. He's preaching the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And anyway, make it, I got to hurry, got to hurry and get caught up with this. He's doing this preaching and, and word gets back, word gets back to the temple. Hey man, you need to come. They some, they some hillbillies down there preaching and, and teaching and, and you need to go find out. Cause see, they were responsible for the religious affairs of the nation of Israel. So the captain of the guard, the captains and the, the priests, they came down and they, and the Bible says they were grieved. They were grieved. So now we see the beginning of the problem. They are preaching. There's a crowd here. And, and, and so now does everybody understand where we're at going into chapter number four? All right. They healed a man. The man is excited. He causes a commotion. Big crowd comes up. Peter preaches the gospel and he tells them all they're hell bound with the hammer down. Say amen. amen. And preaches Jesus. I'm telling you, just preaches Jesus. The one you killed, the one you crucified. He is the savior. He is the Messiah. He's the one you've been waiting on. You all need to repent. That's, that's Peter. He's preaching, teaching, going after it. John's there with him. And, and so the priests, they come and that's, that leads us to chapter number four. Now, are we all on the same page? Say amen. amen. 
All right, let's jump into chapter number four and find out where this takes us, okay? The Bible says in chapter number four, let me, let me flip back over here, in verse number one. It says, and as they spake unto the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. We see the attack of the heathen, the attack of the heathen. First, we see the indignation, the indignation. Write that down. Verse number two, we see their indignation. They, they are upset. It bothers them. You say, why are they so bothered? Well, they're bothered because of who's doing the teaching. If y'all remember just a few verses a while ago, we were reading that they perceived, they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned men. In other words, it bothered them that these fishermen were trying to teach religious affairs to the nation of Israel when they hadn't gone to seminary, they haven't been properly trained, they don't have any education. How dare you teach the people? Are y'all with me? So that bothers them. You don't, you don't have credentials to do this. You're not properly trained to do this. You're not official. Who gave you the right to do this? Well, not only, not only they were grieved about who was teaching, they were grieved about what they were teaching. And man, this is something I, I read this over and over and over and over again. And you'll see it in, in all of his sermons. You'll, you'll hear the phrase name, N-A-M-E, name, name, in the name of Jesus, by the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Je- they, listen, that bothered one, one reason it bothered them because they killed him. Now, if, it, if what these disciples are saying is true, then that means we're guilty. You ever wonder, you ever wonder why atheists want to be atheists? And why, why people that don't believe in God hate you? I, nobody, nobody that doesn't believe in Cinderella hates me. Nobody that doesn't believe in Tinkerbell hates me. But there are people that don't believe in God that hates me. You know why? Because if I'm right, then they are guilty of sin. Nobody's upset that, that, that people, you know, they say, oh, he's a fairy tale. Then why, why aren't you mad about people? No, no, no. There's a reason. They were upset. They were angry because of who was teaching, but they were angry about what they were teaching, that Jesus is the way. And by the way, nobody, nobody hates religion. They just hate Jesus. Jesus is persecuted. Christianity is persecuted. People don't mind. You can teach any religion you want. You can believe anything you want, but don't tell them Jesus is the only way. Then they get all bent out of shape. They get all bent out of shape, but Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Peter just says in this chapter, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, period. I don't care what Oprah says. She don't know what she's talking about. There are not many roads to heaven. There's one way. And Jesus is the way. Are y'all with me? And so we see indignation. Then we see incarceration. They attacked him. They just took him, took him into custody. Now, this may happen one day. 
This, this doesn't need to be a surprise to us. Matter of fact, pastors in Canada are already being incarcerated. Right now, as we speak. And don't even, don't even bring up Afghanistan. They're being dragged out of their houses and shot in the street. So the devil's attacking. The devil's attacking. There is indignation. There's incarceration. Then there's an interrogation. There's an interrogation. I, don't you love how, how this is worded? Don't you love how this is worded? The Bible says that they were angry because they were preaching in Jesus' name. They were preaching the resurrection by Jesus. Isn't that what it says? But when they interrogate them, this is what they say. What name are you doing this? You know what name. Y'all catch that? See, some people, y'all aren't reading this tight enough. You read about five times, you'll pick these things up. They're grieved that they're preaching the resurrection in Jesus' name. But when they interrogate them, they say, by what power? How did you do this? By what name? They know. They know. And Peter says, well, I tell you what, I'm going to tell you, just like I told the rest of that crowd, that other 5,000 that believe, it's by Jesus. Only Jesus. The reason this man can walk is because of Jesus. The reason this man can do what he's doing is because of Jesus. The reason he is praising is because of Jesus. The reason we have boldness is because of Jesus. The reason we have hope is because of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. When's the last time the name Jesus come from your lips? It's hated. It's hated by Satan. It's hated by Satan's crowd. They don't want to hear the name Jesus. But you know what? Every day we need to tell somebody about Jesus. We need, every day we need to look at somebody and say, let me tell you how good Jesus has been to me. Told somebody that today. Jesus has been good to me. Can I share with you what Jesus has done for me? Jesus is my best friend. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Somebody tell me how good Jesus has been to you. Over and over and over. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. He is the... Savior, listen, we see they were frustrated, frustrated. What was A? Tell me A again. Indignation. They mad. They upset. Then B? Incarceration. Then C? Interrogation. Then there's an intensification. I wore that thesaurus out. Say amen. Intensification. It goes from, I don't like what you're doing till I'm threatening you now. We're kind of seeing that, aren't we? We're supposed to be in the land of the free. Where we have freedom of speech and freedom of idea and freedom of thought. And you have that as long as you think what they think. You're, you're welcome to your opinion as long as theirs comes out of your mouth. Hello. They threaten them. This is a serious deal. I mean, they could, I mean, they had Jesus executed. You got to keep that in mind. This is not far. This is not far from the execution of Christ because Pentecost happened 50 days, 50 days after, after Christ was crucified, you know, so, so we're, we're in the close proximity. It hadn't been long that they saw blood dripping from the cross. So they said, don't be preaching into the thing. Don't matter of fact, 
They were so specific about it. They said, don't even say his name. Let me show you. Let me show you. Look what it says. Look in verse number, look in verse number 17. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they henceforth to, to, or excuse me, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to at all. Y'all see that? Not to speak at all, nor teach in the. Now you can speak and you can teach, but not in his name. Not in his name. You know why? Because there's power in that name. That name causes conviction. That name brings change. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Threaten them. Attacks come in many ways. Attack. This is, this is just a, a, I mean, in your face attack. And I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go. I, originally, originally when I, I, I was looking at this, this thought that I wanted to bring tonight, uh, I was originally just a couple more chapters into the book of Acts when Ananias and Sapphira uh, did what they did. And here's what you, here's what you got to see. Sometimes the devil will attack blatantly, openly, obviously, but then sometimes he comes in sneaking in. You see, this attack was from the outside, but with Ananias and Sapphira, the attack came from the, y'all with me? Sometimes he tries to, to distract. Sometimes he tries to discourage, to cause fear. He's doing everything he can to stop the church. All right. Why? People are getting saved. Now, keep in mind, everybody look at me, everybody, because I I need you to get this part. I need you to get this part because sometimes we just flat out forget this. When you walk through those doors, you are on the battlefield. You are behind enemy lines. He is said to be the God of this world. That is his world. That is his culture. That is his society out there. You want to know why things are happening the way they're happening? I mean, at an astronomical pace that we see today, how anybody, how, how, anyway, you, I don't have to explain it. You know how wicked our culture is. It's because it's his. Now, the moment you begin to trust Christ, the moment you place your faith in Christ, you automatically become the enemy. And it is our job. What are we doing? We're teaching you and we're learning how to go in behind enemy lines and find POWs and bring them back to where they are. Bring them back to God. Take them out of captivity. Take them away out of Satan's clutches. Do you think he's just going to drop his hands and let us do that? What do you think he thinks of us training people how to share their story, training people how to tell the gospel, going and making an effort to tell people that Jesus saves, that there is a better way, that you don't have to live without hope. You don't have to live without grace. You don't have to live without a future. He's not going to roll over and play dead. And no matter how the attack comes. The attack can come in forms of temptation. It can come in forms of bodily harm. We know that by the book of Job. Say amen. 
It can come by deception. We've got to be very careful. He's an angel of light. He's a snake in the grass. It's just, he's good at what he does. But we've got to expect an attack. We've got to expect Satan to try to come, whether it's deception, whether it's from the inside, whether it's from the outside, one way or another, we know he's good at what he does. But guess what? We're not without, we're not without help. We're, we're not helpless. We're not powerless in this deal. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid a lot of us don't understand what to do when these times come in our life. But I'm glad they did. And we're going to look at what they did. This is really, really important. All right. Now, here's some things I want to show you. We see the attack of the heathen. They said, don't do this anymore. They threw them in jail, threatened them, uh, probably roughed them up a little bit and then sent them on their way. Now, number two, I want you to see the actions of the humble. The actions of the humble. But Peter and John, verse 19, when you get there, say amen. Amen. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. All right, write this down. A, they were determined to be obedient. They were determined to be obedient. Verse number 19. There's, this is a word that's not used a lot anymore. It should be. But sometimes you take it to an extremes and you get legalistic and, and people want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But growing up, we used to use a word called convictions. You need to have some convictions. Convictions are something you'll die over. Are y'all with me? That you will stand and die over. I'm not talking about preferences. I'm not going to die over a preference. I'm not going to die over a preference. Okay. I'm not going to die over, you know, but a conviction is something that you believe in. And the problem with most Christians is they don't know what they believe. They know what they've heard, but they're not sure what they believe. And every Christian needs to know what they believe, know it enough so they can stand on it. Now, what do we see with them? They had some convictions. Now, they were threatened by the authorities. Don't do this anymore. And they say, look, man, what do you think? Is, is it right to listen to you or listen to God? I believe we're going to listen to God. They had a conviction. They had a determination. Man, brother, brother Craig Edwards was one of my, one of my mentors. He, he, he was talking to me and he's always dropping just nuggets of truth all the time and wisdom and, 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 and getting on to me sometimes and straightening me out sometimes and helping me sometimes. The reason I'm still here is because of him. I mean, you can thank him for that. Seven months into this deal, I was ready to flood, just what they say, flew to coop, fly to coop. I was ready to bail out. He said, you're exactly where you need to be and you stay there and do what God's told you to do. So that's, he's a great, great man. But he told me this one time. He said, son, he said, when it comes to temptation, he was talking about women. He said, when it comes to temptation, you need to make up your mind what you're going to do before the temptation comes. Because if you wait till the temptation comes to make up your mind, you're going to make the wrong choice. And I can testify he was right. You better make up your mind before that ever comes. You better know what you're going to do. You better have it, listen, purposed in your heart. Lord, this is how it's going to be. Now, why do we say that? Look at Daniel. Look at Daniel. Look at the verse. The Bible says in Daniel 1, 8, 
But Daniel, what's that word? Come on now. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. Now, if you go and read in the book of Daniel, these young men are Jewish young men who are in a foreign country in captivity in a foreign land. And they are trying to get them to to, uh, uh, eat stuff that would defile them as a Jewish young man. And they said, we are not going to do that. Now, look at the definition of purpose. Look at the definition of purpose real quick. Look what it says. Purpose means what? Resolved. 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 What does resolve mean? To to settle, to confirm, to confirm, to settle, to confirm. You need to have some things settled in your heart before, you with me? Before the attack, before they threaten you, before they tell you don't preach in this name anymore. I believe with all of my heart, they had it settled. I believe they were resolved, come hell, come high water, come threats, no matter what they say, no matter what the government does, no matter what the devil does, we're not going to do anything but preach and teach in the name of Jesus. And we need Christians that are going to be a Christian, not by convenience, but by conviction. There's way too many convenient Christians that they're a Christian as long as it's convenient, as long as it don't cost them anything, as long as there's no sacrifice, as long as it's not going to inconvenience me, then I'll do a Christian thing. No, sir. We need Christians sold out no matter what the cost, no matter where I'm called, no matter what he wants us to do. We need conviction. That's the first thing. We need to make up our minds. That's it. No, no retreat, no regrets, no returns, not going back. We're going forward. Say amen. Amen. They say, we got to do what God says, not what you do. So they had conviction, man. I'm telling you, conviction will give you a backbone too. You got to know what you need to know. Now, listen, you're not going to get convictions from somebody else's convictions. I hope you understand that. That was a big mistake in the independent fundamental movement is people rode on somebody else's convictions. And then when somebody else came in with a different conviction, then they had their convictions and it was different than the other conviction. That's not a conviction. Listen, study your Bible. Know what you know. Believe what you know. You know what the Bible says? A man is to be persuaded in his own mind. You can tell me what you believe, but if I'm not persuaded in my own mind, I'm not going to have convictions about that. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. So they were determined. They made up their mind. We're going to do right. We're going to do what we're supposed to do. No matter what, we're going to purpose in our heart. They were determined to be obedient. B, they went to their own company. If you like to alliterate it, you can put their convictions, their company, and their cry. But that's just me. They went to their own company. Look what it says, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders said unto them. This is so important. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 2, talking to the church. Let's read it. 6, 2. 
Let's read it. Bear ye one another's. Come on, everybody. Help me, help me. Everybody, everybody, real out. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Hebrews 10, 24. Let's read. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, the moment you got saved, God gave you a company to go to. The word company means a group of people with the same purpose. With it, watch this, you military people with the same captain. What, what, what did they do, preacher? Well, when they were incarcerated and threatened, when they let him go, the first thing they did was they went back to church and told the rest of the church. So listen, let me tell you what they did. Listen, you can't be a Lone Ranger Christian and be a successful one. You cannot be a Lone Ranger Christian. You cannot be a disconnected Christian. You cannot be a Christian that is a drag race Christian. You drag in and race out. You cannot be a Brill Cream Christian. Some of y'all are too young to understand this. A little dab will do you. How many of y'all old enough remember that one? Hallelujah, more than I thought. There's a lot of Christians that way. And then guess what? When Satan attacks Brother Mickle, they completely fall apart. They hit and miss coming to church. Hit and miss coming to church. Sometimes they're here, sometimes they're not. And then when, when life don't go good and they feel like they don't have friends, then they get mad at us. I'm still here. I'm usually here every Sunday. I try to make both services myself. (laughs) So if you're feeling disconnected, it's not my fault that you're once in a month. I can't do once in a month. Man, I need this. My spirit, we were talking, we were talking in, in, in our Hispanic church family, we were using the illustration of a battery. You know, your, your spirituality is just like a battery. You're going out in a dark, dark, dark world. The Bible says where, where the iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. And you're shining your light. Bless God, if you don't come in here and get it charged up, it's going to go dead. And I found this out. Sometimes when I was going coon hunting, I forgot to charge that thing up. And it don't go out when you buy the truck. One time I was over on, uh, what's that new bridge over on 278? 278 bridge. What's the creek though? What's the creek? Coogler Creek. That's right. I was way back up in there. I was way back up in there. And, and, and I was by myself. Usually I don't ever go by myself because I ain't got nobody to talk to. And, and cause I got to talk to people. That's why I can't dove hunt. They put me out in the middle field by myself. I don't want to be out there. Say amen. I'm out there and I'm telling you, I'm walking and I get in the thickest briars you ever got in your life. I couldn't even hardly get through. And I said, man, this is terrible. All of a sudden my light went out. It didn't get dim. It went vroom. And I said what I should have never said. 
Well, it can't get no worse than this. Yeah. The bottom. I'm not talking about a sprinkle. I'm talking about rain. The whole, I I thought I was almost looking for gopher wood to build an ark. (laughs) Pouring down rain. Preacher, what's the point? If your light goes out, it's not going to be in a good time. So the best thing you can do is come in here and get charged up. Everybody needs a company to go to. Because you're going to be attacked. And you need to round some friendly faces. That's what they did. They were threatened. They were attacked. This was a bad deal. This was a scary time. So what they do? They went to the church. Why? Because they knew they would pray for each other. They would help each other. They would encourage one another. They would care for one another. They would lift each other's burdens. Amen. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So they had a company. Preacher, what, what do we need to do when we, we get attacked? Well, you need to have some convictions, but you need to have a company to go to. That's a church. That's a body of Christ. Well, I come here. Yeah, but if you just come on Sunday, Jalen don't give you enough time to meet people. You can't even shake their hands no more. Y'all with me? I hate that. I'm a hugger. I hate that. I despise it. And listen, you can't find... Close relationships in this atmosphere. It's great. It's encouraging. It's inspiring. But you need to be connected in a small group. Everybody don't know everybody's problems in here and issues in here and situations in here. But your small group does because you've shared them with them. Does that make sense? You need to have, a, you need to have your own company so you can run to. There's going to be time when you get bad news and you need to tell somebody. There's going to be times you're going to be hurting and you need to tell somebody. There's going to be times that the devil's just, just, just bloodied you up and you need, you need to know somebody's praying for you. Amen. And all God's people say it. Amen. We see they went to their own people. They had a group that they could go to and pray. They went to their own company. Then, then see, when they went to their own company, they went to God together. That's great. They didn't write up a petition to petition the government. They didn't write a letter to Congress. They didn't organize a vote. Who'd they go to? They went to God. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm being a little facetious there. But my point is, is too many times we do all kind of stuff but go to God. You ever heard this phrase? You ever heard this phrase? Doctors love to say it. Well, all we can do now is pray. Really? Is that how we look at that? Isn't that what we should have done first? Amen? So they went to God together. Now, here's where we're going to get into some good stuff. We need this is so good. This is so good. How did they pray? How did they pray? Let's look at this. In, 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 in verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders said unto them. And when they heard that, when they heard about the threatenings, when they heard about the attack, they lifted up their voice to God. To God. 
with one accord. There was unity there. Now you ought to put that somewhere on your notes. I didn't put that in a point, but you need to put there's power in unity. There's power in unified prayer. When we're all praying for the same thing, when we all have a heart for the same thing, listen, there is power in unified prayer. And look what they do. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Let's look at their recognition in prayer. Now, now why is this important? Everybody look at me for a minute. Everybody look at me for a minute. Why is it important, this word recognition? When we talk about praying and going to God for our needs or our burdens, our problems or the attack we're facing, why is this word recognition so important? Because how you see God really determines what you get from God. Because how you see God will determine how you pray to God. How you see God will determine your confidence in God. Some of y'all, the way you see God, I know it's, I see it in your prayers because you pray like he's in, got anemia. God, if you kind of think maybe, maybe if we want to get around to maybe kind of, kind of want to help us if, if you can, Lord, if you. I mean, are we really, do we really come to him with confidence and assurance like he is the God that he is? Some of us don't have a really good perception of God. He's God. Listen, the authorities, the authorities said, don't preach anymore. Don't teach anymore. Don't speak in this name anymore. And this is what they said. Should we listen to you or God? Now, in their prayer, this is what they said. Now, Lord, you God. Y'all catch that? You're God. I'm not God. They're not God. Nobody else is God. You're God. Period. What are they doing? They're recognizing his superiority, his authority, who he is. Do you recognize who he is? Do you realize who you're praying to? Do you realize who you worship? Listen, is the God of your perception the God of the Bible? Because I'm afraid too many of us have a low perception of how God really is. He is the God of this universe, the God of this world. And all he has to do is speak and it is done. Look at the words. Look at the words that's used. Listen, in their prayer, they recognize his authority. They said, Lord... It's the Greek word despotes, which we get our word despot, which means absolute ruler. What are they saying? Lord, you're the absolute ruler. Basically saying this, Lord, you're the boss. We don't care what they said. You're the boss. You're in charge. 
You are, somebody say amen. We ought to be shouting right there. He is God. They recognize his authority. They recognize his ability. They called him Lord. You are God. Theos means supreme divinity. They recognize his power. They said, you're the one that made the heavens. You're the one that made the earth. You're the one that made the sea and everything that's in them. Say amen. Amen. They recognize his awareness. Verse 25 through 27. You say, where do you get that? They go to quoting scripture. They go to quoting scripture. They're they're quoting Psalm chapter two. They're quoting Psalm chapter two. You know what they're saying by quoting these scriptures? Because these scriptures were written years years and years and years and years and years before this ever happened. You know what they're doing by this? They're recognizing that God knew it was going to happen before it happened. Are y'all, are y'all paying attention? You know why you need to be reading your Bible in the times that we're living in? Because the times we're living in are recorded in God's word. And when you read that God already told you it was going to happen, he said there would be wars and rumors of wars. There would be earthquakes. There would be plagues and pestilence. There would be people, nation rising against nation. Everything is freaking y'all out right now. God said it was going to happen. And if he said it was going to happen back then, he already knew it. And he knows what's going to happen yesterday. He he knows what's going to happen today. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He is God. He's all authority. He's all might. He's all powerful and he's all knowing and he can meet your need. I'm afraid about tomorrow. Don't worry. He's been there. He already knows. He already knows the battles you'll face. He already knows the mountains you'll climb. He already knows the issues you'll have. He knows. They say, they start quote, quoting these scriptures and say, you, you already knew it. You told us, you told us this was going to happen. Amen. Y'all see that? Isn't this great? Amen. She said, that's why you can't neglect the word. The, the, the word, you don't need no fortune teller. You don't need no one nine hundred number. Open your Bible. Amen. Church say, amen. amen. They recognize his awareness. Then <clears throat> they recognize his agenda. Look at verse 28. Excuse me. Yeah, 28. When they were talking about them all ganging up against Christ, the Lord's anointed. Here's what they said. Lord, they just did what you wanted them to do. Verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. You know what they're saying? It might have looked bad. Calvary, Calvary may have looked bad to the, the one that don't know things. But it was all part of the plan. (laughs) It was all part of the plan. You know what they were saying? Now, Lord, you're the boss. And you know all this stuff is going to happen. Lord, you you knew these threats were going to be made. But we know you got a plan. You got a plan. Y'all realize they did all this before they asked for anything. Now do you understand why perception is so important? The way you see the way you see God will determine what you ask from him. This is important. We see the recognition in their prayer. Then 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 number 2. Look, we see the request to God. Not only the recognition of God in their prayer, but the request to God. Look at verse 29. 
And now, Lord, now, Lord, what's that next word? Everybody, everybody. And now, Lord, behold, behold their threatenings. Behold means this. Look at that. That's what it means. Behold. Look. Look. Now write this down. Write this down. Well, it might not be. It might be already there. They gave God their problem. Behold means to look at, observe, attend to. They said, God, take care of this. Behold. It's yours. You know what we learned this past week? The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Listen, I, 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 was, I, I was placed in an army in a battle that I didn't volunteer for. But it's not my fight. This is not my church. These are not my souls. They're his. And if the devil tries to fight us in reaching these souls, it's his battle. Now, whatever it is, whatever it is that's got you wigged out right now, maybe it's a phone call from the doctor. Maybe it's a phone call from the bank. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's, maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe it's mental issues. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling with depression or discouragement. Maybe you're troubled with anxiety or fear. Say, God, this is yours. This is your, and, 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 and this is going to be an important thing. I love people that try to sound spiritual and just say, just let go and let God. That's like them people just says, don't worry about it. Really? Why didn't I think of that? Why did I not think, don't worry about it. Here I've been worrying about it all this time. And that's all I had to do is not worry about it. I'm sorry. But if you've ever heard that and struggled with depression, you know how asinine that is. If I knew where to worry, not worry about it button was, I'd have pushed it. It's not simply letting go and letting God. So how do you know? What do you mean? Watch. It said, behold, their threatenings. Here's the problem. Their threats was the problem that instigated their prayers, right? He says, here, behold, they're threatening. Now watch. Then they turn and say, give us boldness. They gave their problem to God and then focused on their purpose. Are y'all getting that? That means your problem is not your problem. Your problem is your problem with the problem. It's not your problem. God says, give me your problem and you focus on the purpose I gave you. Now, what was the purpose that they had? Go tell every creature, right? Be a witness. Y'all seeing this? Be a witness. Go, go preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world, make disciples of every person, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the great commission. 
Their purpose was to go share the gospel. Here's what they did. They didn't even, they didn't spend half a second on the problem. Most of us, our whole entire prayer will be all the problem. But it wasn't. They spent more time on their purpose than they did their problem. They just gave it to God and say, God, here's their threatenings. Do what you want with that. But we need some boldness. Y'all see this? And you know what happened? When they did that, God was so tickled that he answered their prayer. You may tell you what's wrong with most of us here. We're so focused on our problem. We ain't even trying to accomplish our purpose. I'm telling you. When you get focused on your purpose, when you get focused on sharing the gospel, when you get focused on telling people about Jesus, you don't have time to think of your problem. And you don't need to because it's not your problem. You need to focus on your purpose. Say, did they really do that? Well, look what it says. Look what it says. Look in verse number, verse 29. Now behold their threatenings. They give it to God. Now watch what they ask for. And grant unto us that they will stop picking on us. Is that what they said? No. You see, they don't even ask him to do anything about it. They just said it's yours. That with all boldness, they may what? That was their purpose, right? So their prayer was, hey, here's the problem. Lord, that's yours. Now we need some boldness. We need some boldness. By stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Put these two things down. Write this down anywhere you want to on that page. Ask for boldness and blessings. Ask God for boldness and blessings. And beside blessings, put in parentheses, big things. God do big things. You know what will give you boldness when God does big things? That's what they were asking for. Do miracles. Do big things. Do big things. Bold things. Blessings. Everybody look at me a minute. <clears throat> hurry, hurry. We've got five minutes. It's really not important. I've been, I've been really thinking about this. <clears throat> and this is another Craigism from Brother Craig. You know, a lot of people like to post what they're doing for God. You know, whether it's community service or whatever it is, they post what they're doing for God. Brother Craig told me one day, I'll never forget, he said, Son, it's not important that this community sees what you do for God. It's important that this community sees what God does for you. Now think about that. He said, it's important that this community sees what God does for you. You know what's, you know what's gotten the attention of this community more than anything? Seeing this thing happen. Driving by one day and there's a little old bitty building here and driving by another thing. Now there's a parking lot out there driving by another thing. There's another building and then there's another building and there's a bunch of cars. And then there's a tent out there with people standing in line in the rain. What's wrong with them crazy people? They drive by every day and see what God's been doing for us. It ain't important. It ain't important this community sees what we do. 
because then they'll make the mistake and try to give us the credit. But when they say, man, look what God's doing over there. How you baptize a small church in one weekend? That's what God's doing. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Ask for them blessings. Ask for them big things. Ask for God to do big things. Ask for God to support your witness with answered prayers that are huge. That's what they're asking for. Amen. amen. Listen. <clears throat> Seek his kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Phillips Brooks says this, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your task. Yeah. I, when I was a kid, we, we grew up, we sung a song, Lord, don't move that mountain. Has anybody ever heard that song? Lord, don't move. Oh, there's about three saved people in this building. Okay. AD, you, you remember that song, don't you? Lord, don't move this mountain. Give me strength to climb. Lord, if you should move each mountain, I'd grow weaker every time. In other words, don't move the mountain. Give me the ability to climb it. And that's what we need. They said, Lord, they didn't worry about the threats. Just give us power. Give us, the, give us boldness. <clears throat> Augustine said, pray as though everything depends on God and work as though everything depends on you. Man, God was tickled with their prayer. You got to know God's kind of tired of our whining. When we go to God with everything but what he's called us to do. I think that's why he was so happy with their prayer. He was so happy, the Bible says, verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was what? Shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God with boldness. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. And they had all things. Now let's all read verse 33. And with... All right, let's read it one more time all together. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Preacher, what happened? We see an answer from the heavens. We see the action. God stirred them. I think God's been doing a little stirring at temple, don't you? I think people are excited. People are sharing their faith. They're sharing their story. They may not get it all together. They may not do it right every single time, but it's getting out. And people are hearing it. People are seeing it. I went to the sandwich shop yesterday, and, and uh, Brandy had gotten there before me, and I didn't know she did it. And She witnessed to the lady at the counter and gave her, her my story track, and, and I was about four or five people back and, and I didn't I didn't know she did it. Well when I went to share with her, I I shared my story. She was just grinning. I'm like, I have never seen anybody grin like this. But I had no idea Brandy had done shared her story, so she got two stories in one day. Amen. Amen. People are stirred up. They're wanting to share. 
Print them out, preacher, print them out. We don't want to share our story. Listen, God stirred them, then God filled them. Shaken means to get excited, to stir, to incite. Then he filled them, means to supply and furnish. He'll tell them what to say. Filled, everybody knows what filled means. We've we've taught this over and over. To be filled with the Spirit means to be guided, to be controlled by, influenced by the Spirit. The action that took place, God sent and stirred them. God filled them. God emboldened them. He gave them boldness and outspokenness, confidence. Confidence. Then the effect. The effect. After they were stirred up, filled up, and emboldened, there's a few things that took place. Number one, great unity. Verse 32 says the multitude of them that believe were of one heart and of one soul. Listen, let me tell you what to make a great church. Let me tell you what to make a great church. Lord, have mercy. It's in the red. It's not a great preacher. And it's not a great choir. Not great musicians and great talent. But a church with great unity can accomplish a lot. When we all want the same thing, we all want to glorify God. We're not here for any credit of our own. I'm quoting Brother Craig a lot tonight. But one of the first times, first couple times he came here and he saw all the volunteers going to and fro and yonder like ants going everywhere serving. He said, Malcolm, I know the secret to temple greatness. I said, really? He said, yep. He said, everybody here wants a small part of something big. Churches that fight and fuss and cuss and split and splinter and divide and everybody wants a big part of something small. You know, because it's about them. But when you make it about Christ, the Bible says there was great unity. You know why? Because they all wanted boldness. They all wanted Christ to be glorified. They all wanted power for their witness. There was great unity. Man, I tell you, that's, that, that makes for peace for a pastor's heart when there's unity. There was great power. Verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? What does it mean to have great power when you witness? It means when you witness, people get convicted. I witnessed and it didn't have no power on it. They didn't care a thing about what I said. But then I witnessed and man, they were hanging on every word, tears welling up in their eye. That's what I'm talking about. And man, if we're going to witness, we need God's power. There was great unity, verse 32, great power, verse 33, great grace, verse 33. Grace is just the favor of God. God is no respecter of persons, but he do have his favorites. I got Bible, don't argue with me. God does show his favor. Great grace. Then verse 34, great generosity. Great generosity. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold and brought the prices of the things that were sold 
You see, that's another thing that's great about temple. Y'all are giving people. Y'all know we're almost to our mark with our churches. A thousand churches. We're almost there. We're almost there. Hallelujah. Number five, there's great provision. There's great provision. Verse 35, they laid down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. What a God. Preacher, what can we take from this? Well, here's what I want you to go home with. Everybody stand so you know I'm serious. I want you to go home with this. God's been good to temple. And when God is good and blesses temple, Satan's not going to be far behind. So don't be surprised when he attacks. I don't know when the next attack is going to come from. I don't know where the next attack is going to come from. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to God. We're going to say, he's your problem. Give us boldness. Because we got witnessing to do. We got souls to win. We've got seed to plant. And all God's people say it.